and welcome to the last episode of Champions of the Pacific for 2021. I'm Tala Anderson. This week, we talk to the Samoan in charge of women's football at FIFA, and we talk World Rugby's new eligibility rules, what this means for Pacific Rugby, and who's got their hand up for the next World Cup. From representing Samoa on the football field to becoming FIFA's first Chief Women's Football Officer, Sarai Behrman is on a mission to put women front and centre of the football world stage. The former Samoa representative tells us how a holiday in Samoa set her on the path for a career in the sport and her dreams for women's football in the Pacific. In New Zealand, I never really made it to a super high level. You know, I, I played club. Um, I played in Waitakere, I played over the shore in Glenfield, I played for North Shore as well. So I did the rounds at a club level uh, in the kind of the top competition, but I never really cracked it into the more representative teams. Uh, One year I made it to the provincial team. I trained hard, I loved the game. Um, I was very enthusiastic about it, but I was never one of the standout players, to be honest. Uh, it, it actually wasn't until years later when I went to Samoa uh, and started playing there. That's where I really stood out as a, as a standout player. And, uh, you know, I often joke about it with my friends and, and my family. You know, as soon as I got to Samoa, I was, you know, in the national team. I made it, you know, I was at a very high level in that country. Whereas in New Zealand, you know, I, I wasn't so great in terms of, you know, talent. Um but for me, that's amazing. Like what an opportunity that it gave me, like going to Samoa. How many people can say that they they put the national team jersey on and had the chance to represent their country, you know? So yeah, it may not have been to that level in New Zealand, but I take a lot of pride in what I was able to achieve in Samoa. Obviously, you went from being a player to an administrator. Yes. I guess, why? How did you, you know, decide <laughs> to make that switch? So I have a background in banking and finance. Um, My first job out of school was working as a bank teller. And I stayed in that industry for 10 years, like working through various roles. And something that I really credit uh, for my time in that industry was the structure that I learned about working in a corporate environment, about following rules, regulations, understanding how to work in a big organization. Um, I took a lot away from that experience there. So with that background, and obviously with the love of football, I came across an opportunity while I was in Samoa. I was there uh, actually to, it was my first visit to the country um, to get to know my mother's family and understand more about my culture. And while I was there, there was a job advertised in the Samoan Observer for the finance manager of the federation and I saw it and it jumped at me because you know I love the game I love to play finance is my work it's what I do every day I just thought that's a perfect marriage of my you know my home work life and my 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 passion for the game so I ended up throwing my hat in the ring and yeah that that short holiday ended up being a a six-year stay I got my Samoan citizenship you know I I got obviously to know much, much more about what it is to be Samoan. And it started off my career in football. That's quite a massive change, you know, to you, you're just there for a holiday and then all of a sudden you're staying there for six years. What was that like? Was that tough? It was a shock at first, I have to say, especially for my family. <laughs> I don't think anyone expected that from me at all. 
and and the transition was also for me tough you know in the beginning I felt very very much like an outsider you know I couldn't speak the language they viewed me as a palangi you know I've, I've already you know pretty fair skin but without knowing the language or the culture I was really looked at as an outsider and also being a woman and coming into football it, it wasn't a welcoming environment at the beginning it was a very male dominated environment and you don't immediately get the respect that for example a male would walking into that same situation so at the beginning it was really tough and whilst I was enjoying my time in Samoa making that transition into working there working in football and and trying to you know bring the federation to a, a higher level was super challenging at the beginning and I think that the efforts I made towards that and the passion that I had for it to grow it again people saw that and that's what helped me to find my place there well they definitely saw it or saw something saw you all your hard work because you <laughs> You, you went on to, uh, you were appointed as a CEO and you went on to OFC as the Deputy Secretary General and now eventually FIFA's first Chief Women's Football Officer. How <laughs> incredible is that? Can, like, what's it been like for you? <laughs> well, I think the first thing I have to say is that I'm very, very blessed. You know, I, I think that God has a purpose for me and I think I'm exactly where he wants me to be. And, uh, you know, I see what I do. It, it's a service. I live and exist to serve others. And I'm in a position now which is absolutely incredible. You know, I can impact so many people all over the world, uh, especially women and girls. And for me, that's a blessing and it's a privilege. But it's also something that I don't take lightly at all. Um, and what I learned in Samoa, especially, is really what grounds me in this role. Like the, the basic values of Fa'asamoa and, and what we, the way that you embody that can really carry you through in a position like this. And it's something that I think, especially when I talk to people from back home in Samoa and New Zealand, for anywhere in the Pacific, I think we take it for granted. We don't actually see how valuable our culture and traditions are and how the values that are instilled in us growing up in that environment, how we can actually transfer those into a corporate setting or a business setting and how it can work for us. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really privileged. It's, uh, I can't believe starting off in a small island in the Pacific like Samoa to now being where I am. I still pinch myself, um, but my family and friends do a very good job of keeping me grounded. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, I know you're obviously also a strong advocate for uh, girls and women playing football um, and especially the, the number of women in leadership roles. To you, what does the future of women's football look like? It's bright. It's really bright, especially in the Pacific and in the OFC region. We've got the Women's World Cup in 2023 uh, co-hosted across New Zealand and Australia that is the single biggest female sporting event in the world. We had in France in 2019, more than 1.1 billion people all around the world tuning in to watch that. 
there were more than one million fans filling the stadiums. I don't think people quite grasp how massive that event is. But what excites me the most is not the event itself, it's the impact that it's going to have in the Pacific. It's going to be huge. And we have to work very, very closely with both New Zealand football, the New Zealand government and the Pacific region to leverage it. Because that's the key. It's one thing to hold the event, but knowing the impact that it has, you have to really leverage that. And for me, that is going to be the catalyst to boost women's football in our region to the next level. It's bright. I think there are going to be many more women like me in decision-making positions. I think it's going to become the sport of choice uh, for young girls and women who are wanting to enter into sports. Uh, and I also think that we're going to see it become more competitive. You know, Pacific has never been seen as a region that's strong on a competitive level, but there's nothing like a World Cup dangled in front of you to give you that carrot to really accelerate, you know. So, no, I'm very, very positive and optimistic about women's football. Pacific Nations are gearing up for a boost after World Rugby decided that players will be allowed to switch national teams from next year. Prior to the new change, once a player had represented a country at international level, they couldn't turn out for another, unless they utilised an unintended sevens loophole. A player must either be born in the country they want to change to, or have a parent or grandparent born in that nation. Head coach of the Manu Samoa, Seilala Mapusua, admits he was surprised the vote went through. A little bit of disbelief, um, uh, followed by uh, relief, I think, of the best, uh, best way to describe it, and then and then just a real um, real sense of um, satisfaction, I suppose, um, especially uh, you know, working on this on, on this amendment and, and 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 seeing all the hard work that's gone on in the background um, to get it to where it is now. Um, it's, um, I'm, I'm really uh, proud of the people that have um, have put in the work and 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 and, and, uh, and got this over the line. Ikaletahi coach Totai Kifu says the new rules instantly transforms the Tongan squad. It really, um, it transforms our team. Um, you know, we'll bring in players of the calibre of Charles Puitao, you know, George Mwala, Israel Falau. I mean, those three, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, those three playing for you, it, it, you know, it, it just transforms our team. It makes our team straight away really competitive. Um, and then, um, you know, build build around that um, some really good planning and some really good time together. Um, looking forward to the next two years and especially the World Cup. The new rule has opened the floodgates for Pacific nations, particularly Samoa, Tonga and Fiji, with an influx of talented players already available. So who do our coaches have their eyes set on? Seilala Mapusua says Lima Sopuanga and Josh Yowane are some obvious options. You know, you've got world-class players like uh, uh, Lima Sopoana, um Josh Ioane, who, who will be who will become eligible um, next year, and also players that are um, playing really well in their respective uh, competitions overseas, like Ben Lamb, Stephen Lautua, uh, to, to name a few. I think um, the, the prospect of, of of them pulling on a blue jersey is, is it's pretty exciting. Dai Kefu says former Australian centre Israel Falau had shown interest to wear the red jersey 
and now he can. Earlier in the year, I had a couple of conversations with Israel Folau, um, and he was really keen to play for the Kali Dahi, but obviously he needed this rule change to go our way and to be really positive, to get a positive result at it, and it has. So, um, you know, he's, he's one player straight away that um, he's really keen to play. But what does this mean for homegrown players? Do they benefit from the ruling? Selala Mapusua says it's a positive outcome no matter what way you look at it. It's not like there's going to be a whole lot of wholesale changes in the team. Um, and, and, and if anything, a lot of those players are at, at the tail end of their careers, so to speak, except for a guy like Josh. But having having access to players like like, like Lima and, and Stephen Law too, is, it's not just their playing ability, but um, the value that they'll add to the group in terms of their experience and and leadership, um, and also um, well, what they'll be able to um, to bring in terms of passing on their their knowledge and growing, um, helping um, develop our, our local players. So I see it as, as, as a massive positive. Former All Black Lima Sopoanga missed an opportunity to switch his international allegiance to Samoa in their Olympic qualifying event earlier this year before joining the Cook Islands coaching staff for their World Cup qualifier against Donga in July. The 30-year-old, who has grandparents born in both Samoa and the Cook Islands, said he would relish at the chance to don the Manu Samoa jersey. It's a real moment to sort of be in, to get to choose um, which which way I could potentially potentially go. So it's not an easy one uh, for me, but I know for sure that I will be uh, putting my hand up for uh, one of the island nations, 100%. Um, you know, if I'm fortunate to be at the next World Cup, you know, I'll, I'll take that blessing with two hands and give it everything that I've got. And it's not just a massive boost for the men's teams either. The Samoa women's team are gearing up for their World Cup qualifier in 2022, which means there could be a few former Black Ferns and Wallaroos who could be putting the blue jersey on in a few months' time. Manusina head coach Ramsey Tomokino says the decision couldn't be any more timely. There's the likes of the Justine Lavez who are still playing, you know, who knows? You know, they would add value to our team. You know, there's also uh, Victoria Nafatali um, from Northland uh, who could potentially, you know, if, uh, hasn't been in the Black Friends for a while. Um, you know, again, it's a player that would add massive experience and potential to the team. You've got, I think there's Monica Tangawai from, I don't, I'm not sure when she last played for the Black Rooms, but she hasn't had a look in since. So there's definitely players out there. And that's it from us this year from RNZ Pacific. If you want to hear more from Champions of the Pacific, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz and click on the Pacific tab. You can also download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favourite podcast. Vinaka vaka level to our Pacifica community for sharing their stories and to our listeners who tune in every week. Until next time, kakite.